when God created you, he didn't create you to live your life and all of the dreams he put in your heart in a hundred years. He created you to live out the dreams that he's put in your heart for your life in eternity. This is Camus. And this is Kylie. Welcome to God is Real, God is Good, a podcast where we collect stories about God working in people's lives through big miraculous ways all the way down to small everyday things. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of God is Real, God is Good. This week is me again, Kylie, and Stephen Farr is back with us for a second week to finish up his story. Um, So last week, we kind of finished off um, on the thought of him being homeless um, and kind of living in a spot where it looked like he had no future and he had no hope um, or good plans for what could happen next. But he, as he shared, he is a pastor of a church and God is opening many, many doors for him now. And so he is back to share what happened from there. So, all right, Stephen. Okay. So like the quick recap, I'm raised in a Christian family. Um, there's a lot of things that go on with that, you know, in religious communities, sometimes thinking things can be hard because, you know, we know that God is love. The Bible tells us that God is love, but many times, sadly, you know, um, in the process of trying to follow God, we, we end up getting confused. We think that we have to be good enough for God in order for God to love us. Right. Mm-hmm. And that can cause things to happen in our lives that are really confusing. So anyway, um, long story short, as you guys heard, if, if you didn't listen to the first podcast, go back and hear the other episode first. It <laughs> it's going to really help things sense. out. <laughs> it's going to make things make sense. But let me just, in case you decide, no, I'm just going to listen to this one and I'll just hear the rapid fire and then hear the great miracles that God has done in Stephen's life from that point forward. Here's the rapid fire. Eight-year-old boy, dream of being a world evangelist. Parents divorce at 12. Dad leaves the church. Tells me the Bible's not real anymore. I start go from being homeschooled to being public schooled. I start on a downward spiral that leads to me at 19 years old attempting suicide. And I end up in a halfway house. And then after that, I end up homeless on the streets. So here I am, 19, 20 years old, homeless on the streets in Olympia, Washington. And... um. You'd also heard that actually when I, right after my parents divorced, I had actually one time prayed with my mother that God would help because I came home and she was crying and there was no food in the cupboards. And right when I finished the prayer, it was a simple prayer. It was like, God help. Amen. Essentially. Right. And right after I said, amen, someone knocks at the door and my mom goes to the door and I'm like peering down the hallway and boom, there's these people bringing box after box after box of food into the house. And by the time we're done emptying all the boxes out, like all of the cupboards and the refrigerators full of food, just totally amazing. How even in the middle of everything that was going on in my life, God just literally continued pursuing me and saying, you know, Steven, I'm real. I'm here for you. You know, and I had thought Kylie, honestly, like I prayed for years that my parents wouldn't divorce. So Mm -hmm. when they did, it was just like, God doesn't hear my prayers and God doesn't care. Yeah. And I want to say something about that right now, because there's a lot of you that have prayed for things and you feel like it didn't happen. It's because God doesn't love you. And one of the things I think we end up forgetting is, is that my dad had individual choices to make as to whether or not he was going to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit in his life. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, sadly, a lot of times we pray for people, we pray for situations and the Holy Spirit's really trying to convict them and work on them. But for whatever reason, Um, You know, people having free will, the ability to make their own choices, uh, sometimes they listen to the temptations of Satan and they make those choices anyway, right? And a lot of us go, well, God, why don't you just stop that from happening? 
You know, why don't you just make it so that they don't have a choice? Well, you know, we understand if we really think it through that God cannot be love and also be somebody who forces us to do the things that he knows are actually best for our life. Yeah. Right. And so um, I didn't understand that at 12, obviously. But what I did understand is, is that even though my parents divorced, even though I was actually going from being a Christian kid who wanted to be a world evangelist, being someone who was smoking cigarettes and who was dealing drugs and was having all of these things happen. When my mother was crying and there was a crisis and I prayed, God showed me, hey, I'm still here. I'm listening. And so if you're someone that feels like you've been praying for someone or something and God doesn't hear you because it's not turning out, it's not the prayers not being answered in the way that you think that God should answer it. Um, or, you know, you're praying for a person and for some reason they decide to go ahead and follow the temptations of Satan rather than the promptings of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean that God doesn't love you and he's not present. It means that you live in a world full of people who have a choice to make about whether or not they're going to give their life to God and live their lives, letting him make a difference in the world by loving people and making good decisions and, and doing the right things, or they're going to be influenced by Satan and be selfish and do things that end up causing hurt and pain in the lives of other people. Yeah. And so this part of my story is actually going to show you, you know what, God is real. Um, and I'll tell you, the reason I know he's real is because there was something that happened to me when I was homeless on the streets at 19 that is literally mind blowing. Mm. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Okay. So believe it or not, uh, not all, not all homeless people are drinking alcohol and doing drugs. And in fact, when I got out of the crazy house and ended up homeless on the streets of Olympia and Tumwater, I made the decision that I wanted to try to turn my life around because the friends that I ran away from home with and went to Olympia with soon made friends or met girls and got girlfriends and decided they didn't want to live in a tent or in a campground and that they were leaving me behind. And so the next thing you know, I'm living in a KOA campground in a tent. My car has run out of gas, no way to get any heat. And in the month of October, it snows. Oh no. Right. Oh, and then it's Washington snow. So it snows and the snow melts. And all of my stuff is wet and I'm freezing cold. And I hadn't been able to go from Tumwater to downtown Olympia to get any food from the food kitchen where they would serve bread and soup to the homeless people in three days. Oh, wow. So here I am. I'm 19. I've run away from home. I'm going to go out and make my life now, right? I'm going to go out on my own. I don't need the crazy house. I don't need my mom. I don't need anybody. I'm going to go be a man, right? And I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to carve my own life and I'm going to get a job and everything's going to happen for me. And here I am, like homeless, living in a KOA campground, freezing cold, haven't had any food in three days. And I'm literally in the only dry thing I have. One of the things I took with me was a sleeping bag my dad gave me. And it was one of those really nice, like North Face, you know, negative 50 degree sleeping bags that like can keep you warm in anything. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So the only dry thing I have is the sleeping bag in the middle of the tent with two rivers on either side from the middle oh. of the right? <laughs> and here I am in this tent, freezing to death, cold and hungry. And I realized, okay, I, I haven't talked to God in a long time, but now might be a time 
if there is a God out there and he has a plan for my life and he cares anything about me at all, now might be a time to pray. Hmm. You know, and I'd actually made the decision that I was going to quit drinking. I was going to quit using drugs, that I was going to try to quit smoking and all of this because, you know, my suicide attempt had really given me a wake up call. Mm-hmm. So here I am, I'm homeless on the streets. I'm literally trying to clean my life up and make things right and go the right direction. I'd actually started um, attending this non-denominational church at that time. And I made the decision to get rebaptized during that time. Um, but it actually happened after this experience I'm going to tell you right now, okay? So I actually ended up having this experience and I ended up getting rebaptized into a non-denominational church at the time. But here's the experience that caused me to actually make the decision to start considering giving my life back to God. Hmm. So I'm in this tent in the snow, freezing cold, no food, three days. And suddenly, just like when I was a 12 year old little boy, I'm just like, okay, God, if you're real, I need your help because I'm going to freeze to death. And right when I say amen, I'm not even kidding you. This, I know it's crazy, but this like happens so many times in my life. Someone's literally knocking on my tent. <laughs> now, I can't make the sound effect for knocking on a tent. But, <laughs> you know, because it's, it's like when it happened, I was like, wait, is there like a branch hitting my tent? <laughs> or is there a bear outside, you know, or an animal, <laughs> right? Like what's out there? I don't know something seems to be brushing up against the tent or is it wind? And I'm thinking if I, if I climb out of the sleeping bag to open the tent and there's nobody there, I freeze to death. Right. So mm -hmm. it's like, I, I, I don't want to move because I'm afraid I'm going to get the sleeping bag wet or that whatever, I'm not going to be able to get warm again. Right. Yeah. But then like someone's knocking on my tent again, like there's someone, it's like, there's someone knocking on the front of the tent. And so like by the third time this happens, I say to myself, okay, <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm going to answer the tent door. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> right. Nobody's heard that before. So I literally climb out from the bottom of the sleeping bag, unzip the tent. And here's the lady that owns the KOA campground standing there. Mm -hmm. And she looks me right in the face and she says, Hey, um, your mom just called me on the phone. Now I got to break into the story right here and be like, wait a minute. What do you mean my mom called you on the phone? Because when I ran away from home, when I ran away from the crazy house and got my car keys and went to my mom's house, I took everything in the middle of the night without even telling her where I was going and left. So my mom doesn't know where I'm at. Yeah. So the lady's looking at me saying, Hey, your mom just called me. <laughs> and I'm like, no, she did not. You're, you're okay. Now I'm probably dying. You know, like I mean, this is probably <laughs> I'm hallucinating. There is no lady here. Right. I'm just hoping that God is saving me. This isn't happening. She looks at me and she says, yeah, your mom just called me. And it was really weird because when I picked up the phone in the, uh, at the KOA campground center where she was, you know, has a little convenience store. When I picked up the phone, the first words out of her mouth was, do you have any children? And I'm thinking who is calling me that I don't even know who this is. It's saying, do you have any children? I don't know about you. There might be some people out there that have children that are listening to this podcast. If somebody called you and said, do you have any children? You'd probably hang up. <laughs> if you didn't know who it was, you'd just be like, ah. like no, I, I don't, I'm not telling, I, no, I'm hanging <laughs> up, right. But for some odd reason, the lady was moved to be like, yes, <laughs> yes, I have children. 
And then my mom, well, at least, yeah, my mom, right? Mm -hmm. The person on the phone says, would you allow your child to freeze to death in a tent? Oh. Well, no. Well, then why are you allowing my child to freeze to death in your campground? <gasps> so the lady's standing there looking at me like, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. I'm like, I I'm cold. Can we take this conversation inside? Right. <laughs> <You know>? like, <laughs> Can I go back to my sleeping bag now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's great. This is a touching story. My mom called you and asked you why you're letting me die out here. Well, I mean, that's, that's a good question. I was probably not really directly thinking that because I live in a world <laughs> full of people who allow people that are homeless to freeze to death every night on the street. So, I mean, how am I different than anyone else? Right. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, she, she says, come with me. Um, I, I have cabins. And they have heat. Oh. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, I can't afford that. And she says, yeah, I know. Come with me. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know you can't afford anything. Like, that's that's obvious right now. You're not you're not driving a Bentley, bro. Like, we get that. <laughs> so, so right. So, anyway, she takes me into the cabin. And, and I get all my stuff moved in there and, and leave the car that's broke down with no gas in it and the tent behind. And I have like all like my few belongings, my clothes and my sleeping bag, everything in there. And there's a bunk bed with like prison mattresses. OK, because they're oh. like, you know how mattresses are. They have like the plastic cover. But if there's no like mattress cover or sheets or anything, it's just not appealing. Right. Yeah. And of course, being that the cabin has been uninhabited and the heater was not turned on, like it's it's cold in the cabin. Mm -hmm. And so I decide. I'm going to drape everything around the heater and I'm going to turn the heater oh, on. No. Right. And I'm going to just sleep on the floor in front of the heater. Uh -huh. Now it's, it's one of those wall heaters. So no, like there was no fire. Thank okay. God. But <laughs> yeah. You're like, Oh my word. Like he's going to get really warm. Like, he's gonna be, like <laughs> are you about ready to tell a story where you were in the fiery cabin rather than the fiery furnace? And then Jesus <laughs> like, what, What's going to happen? You here, burned right? down yeah. this nice lady's cabin. Yeah. Like she, she took you out of the cold. You burned down the cabin and she's like, that's why I don't help homeless people. No, that's not what happened. <laughs> So, no, yeah. no. That was so bad. You're like, no, she'll never be good again. Like, what have you done far? You know, it's you. <laughs> right. So no, um, no, I, I, I literally fall asleep on the cabin floor. And this is what I remember. I remember saying I literally, it was so, this is okay. Please do not judge me. You're probably already judging me, but you're about to hear a prayer. That's kind of wild. And this is the prayer I prayed. Okay. God, if that was you, right. Yeah. Okay. So like, how could you be doubting it at this point? Right. <laughs> Your mom has All right, God. So like I had the courage to pray one prayer and, um, and then I went from homeless in a tent to my mom who doesn't know where I am calling the KOA campground owner to put me in a cabin. Right. And then also from there, I am now in front of a heater getting warm, but God, um, I haven't had any food in three days now to get to the homeless kitchen was like a five or six or seven mile walk to downtown Olympia. And oh, I was wow. in Tumwater. Tumwater is like a little suburb town of Olympia. essentially, mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so it, it's a long walk from where I was to go to a place to get food. And I definitely didn't feel like I had the strength to get there. So I pray this prayer. I'm like, okay, God, if that was you and you just saved me out of the cold, I'm going to die. If you don't, I, I need food. And I, I, of course, I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to go ask the lady for food. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like you just 
like I'm already living on welfare, God, you know, like she let me in the cabin with warmth. So I need help now. I don't, you know, and I literally fell asleep crying on the floor, face down in front of the heater. Mm. And I fall asleep. And the next thing you know, I'm having one of those dreams where it's like, you're really there. Right. Have you ever had one of those dreams? Like, yeah, you literally wake up and you're startled. And it's like, you felt like maybe you were living, breathing. It was really happening. Everything is so lucid and real that it's like, whoa, this is like a real, this is happening. Like, how, how is this happening? I, what's going on? You know? So anyway, I start having this dream and suddenly I go from being somebody crying and praying for food on the floor to sleeping, to being in this dream where I'm walking in downtown Seattle. So I'm in Seattle, Washington. I'm walking downtown in Seattle, Washington, and I don't recognize downtown Seattle because I'd actually been homeless in um, Federal Way and the Seattle area before. So I knew what downtown Seattle looked like. I'd gone to baseball games with my dad when I was a little boy Yeah. Um, in the kingdom that used to be in Seattle. And so in the dream, though, the kingdom was no longer there. And this was in like the 90s before the kingdom was ever torn down. Mm-hmm. And so I don't recognize the city because the stadiums and everything downtown where I'm at are like different than what was actually there. And here's the crazy part. The only reason I know it's Seattle is because I see the Space Needle. Mm. Okay. that's I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Space Needle. This is Seattle. But it doesn't look like Seattle. So this is really weird. <laughs> and on top of that, in the dream, I'm playing a guitar. Okay, I don't play guitar. So I'm like, wow, this is a very, I think I'm actually playing guitar and I'm singing. And not only am I singing, I'm singing Christian songs. And And you still think this is like real life and not just a dream. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, it just feels like real life. And I'm like, okay, what's going on here? Here I am. I'm out here singing Christian songs with my guitar. And I'm looking up to God and I realize in the dream that I can like literally hear singing. So not only am I singing and playing a guitar, which I don't do, and I'm singing Christian songs and I'm looking up to God. Okay. I don't do any of this. Right. Yeah. Now I hear what sounds like an entire multitude of thousands of people singing. And I turn around and behind me on the streets of Seattle near, you know, what's now Lumen field. It used to be century link and quest link. And I don't know that, you know, they changed yeah. the stadiums all the time. What used to be Safeco field is now T-Mobile park. So behind me on that street there in the, busiest part of downtown Seattle where all the stadiums are for all the sporting events. Here's thousands of people singing praises to God, looking up to God. And here's the other crazy thing. The people are shining with Mm. glory, like with light, like, and of course, like as a non-Christian, you're just like, Oh, okay, cool. People that glow. Right. (laughs) People that glow. Glory. You're just like, Oh, wow. You know, now I'm having a dream where I'm singing, playing a guitar, singing Christian songs. I don't do that. And the people who are singing with me, who are following me through the streets of Seattle, praising God, are glowing. (laughs) This is really weird at this point. And here's the crazy thing. Around the people is this great shroud of light because they're all glowing like the glory of God in the streets. Yeah. But outside of that glory is like just the darkness of the city. And I notice in the dream that the people outside of the singing people who are looking up to God, like the people outside of the glory and the light are all, it's, it's as if they're blind. Mm. Nobody can see it's pure darkness outside the light. And here's the weird thing. They can't see us, but they can hear the music. So I see the people in the alleyways and the homeless and the people in the businesses and the doorways of the bars and all of the clubs and the restaurants and everything. They, they all appear to be blind but it's like they can all hear the music 
and the people are wandering toward the crowd of people that are singing. And the moment the people wander into the light, they immediately change from being like they're zombies. It's like zombie apocalypse is happening. Okay. It's just so, I know totally. I'm like, okay, weird people with their hands out wandering, hearing music that can't see that are like wandering into the light. And then this is what happens. This is the part where it's just, it gets weirder. Suddenly the people walk into this glory, this light, which looks like glowing people to me. Um, and I would only think of it being the glory of God because I'd been raised as a Christian kid. But if you were not raised as a Christian kid, you're thinking, great, I'm having a dream about glowing people with blind zombies that are like wandering towards us because we glow. And I yeah, wish I yeah. could stop glowing because we don't want zombies coming for us. Right? <laughs> so you're not interpreting this dream the way I am. Right. Uh, so, so, so anyway, the people that are wandering into the light suddenly are literally going from being blind people who can't see anything to being people who are actually changing into glowing people that are looking up to God now. And they're singing the songs with us as if they've been singing the songs their entire life. Wow. So it's like one minute ago, I was chilling in a bar. I was a blind zombie person getting intoxicated. <laughs> then I heard all of these people praising God. And now I am no longer a blind zombie intoxicated person, but I am now one of the glowing people looking up to God and singing songs that I didn't know five seconds ago. Wow. Right. So here's the part where the dream gets really crazy. Suddenly, it's not crazy enough yet. No, no, no. Yeah, this is a, yeah, yeah. You're like, Stephen, really? Are we done yet? Like, this is nuts. I don't even know if I'm sharing this podcast, right? You are, you are great, right? Like, uh, okay, Stephen's having like weird dreams. This is great. Um, no, but suddenly I get zipped out of my body. Like, it's like either I fly or I, you know, and I, I'm not somebody who believes in out-of-body experiences or anything. What I'm saying is, is it's like suddenly I go from being like in that place where I'm seeing myself walking through the street doing this and all of this stuff happening to being like, it's almost like God took me up above the world to see the United States map. It's like, you know, when you watch a movie, Universal Studios, you see the map and it goes around and you see like glowing lights coming out of it and everything. And yeah. It's like, does a really cool music. You know, like, you're like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like that. But for me, I get zipped up above the world and I see. It's almost like a diamond-like fire star. I don't even know how to describe it. Breaks out in the map over Portland and then mm -hmm. up in Vancouver, BC. And then I, I saw several cities where it's like I could tell where they were in like over the Seattle area. Okay, so those were the three I could really determine what cities they were. Portland, Vancouver, BC, and Seattle. I could determine that there was like a fire. It was almost like a fire or a diamond or a light or something was coming out of the map in that spot. And then suddenly from the north in Canada, going all the way down to the south, little teeny diamond-like fires are breaking down. And it like literally starts up north, goes all the way down south into Mexico. And then it starts going from the west into the east around the world. And it's wow. like, like little teeny fires just breaking out, breaking out, breaking out, breaking out. It's like the glowing people, except for now it's glowing dots on the map that are just going around the world. And as it goes around the world, it gets all the way back to the west coast. And when it hits the west coast, Boom, the world literally explodes like an atomic bomb, like the star. Day. I'm not even kidding you. It was like in the dream. I'm literally seeing the world just exploded. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. what the heck now? Like it's living, breathing, the most real dream I've ever had. The world explodes into the star of David. And then suddenly I hear a knocking on the door. Can you see a theme in my life? It's so crazy. <laughs> I pray God causes people to knock on doors and knock on tents. Now I'm having a wild dream such as never I have ever experienced. I know, oh, by the way, in the dream, the weird thing was in the dream, I literally actually saw the guitar I was playing 
was a brown guitar. It looked like a Martin, except for it was not. It was, I don't really know what the brand was, but it looked like a Martin knockoff guitar with a crazy, like, I had this really thick cloth. It almost looked, looked like one of those Pathfinder badges, except for it was a white cloth <laughs> strap, okay? It was a weird guitar strap. It was like a white cloth strap, thick. Yeah. You know, huh. way thicker than a normal guitar strap, right? So I'll never forget the guitar from the dream. I can never forget the guitar. Just a weird guitar, random, random, random piece of information. Um, so anyway, I hear a knocking on the door and suddenly I am back on the cabin floor in front of the heater that's on. And I am really warm. Have you ever fallen in front of a heater, like fall asleep in front of the fire and you wake up? And the reason you wake up is because you are like super hot. You're yeah. sweaty. I don't even have any blankets on. I'm like sweaty and nasty. Ew. Wake up from a wild dream. And I was just above the world a moment ago, feeling like I was in a living, breathing dream, seeing the world from above. I see the world explode. And then suddenly I hear a knocking, which wakes me up and I'm on the floor again. And I'm like, <gasps> you know, like I'm literally like actually like, oh, oh, where am I? You know, like that's how crazy real the dream was. And then I'm like looking around and suddenly I hear a knocking on the cabin door again. And I'm like, nobody knows I'm here. Is it the owner? Like, is it the lady from the KOA campground? Who's out there? So I get up and I go over to the door and I never forget there's like little rope handle to open the door. And I pull down the little rope handle and I open it and the door opens up and nobody's there. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? And the sun has come out. The snow is gone. The birds are singing. It's like one of those things where you're like literally watching Bambi from Disney. Well, you know? Yeah, like a Disney movie. Yeah, and the sun's coming out and everyone's happy. And, like, and, all the birds. and I'm like waiting for the gnomes to run out or like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, okay. You know, is this like the Alice in Wonderland? Like yesterday, the world was terrible. And now I prayed to Jesus and had some wild, crazy dream about a zombie apocalypse and where people decided to sing Christian songs instead of kill me. And then I saw the world explode. And now here I am and the whole world is perfect again. Right. No, mm -hmm. that's not what was happening. I'm looking around. <laughs> nobody's there. And I'm thinking, OK, awkward. I know I heard someone knock on the door and nobody's here. And then suddenly I look down. And on the porch in front of me is an entire box of food. Oh, wow. I pull the box inside. Now, here's the crazy thing about the box of food. The box of food is Costco food. And not only is it Costco food, but it's the exact items I would always tell my mom to get when I was a little boy. Oh, my goodness. Literally, the box isn't just any food. It's not like the throwaway stuff that nobody wants. Yeah. It's literally like all of my favorite things. There was even a big old thing of peanut butter and a large jar of those Costco deal pickles. Oh, wow. Right. And I love, okay, I'm weird, but there was bread in the box too. And I like the peanut butter and pickle, and pickle sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah. So there's these people out there right now that are gagging and they're like, Pastor <laughs> Park, I will never listen to one of your stories. Like, how can you be one of the peanut butter pickle people? Right. Like you are one of those. No wonder you had a zombie apocalypse. You eat the peanut butter. Like that's what happens when you eat that stuff, man. Stop that. Right. But you hadn't eaten it for at least three days. But I was hungry. And so like, right. And so like when you see the pickles and the peanut butter and the same, you're like, if you didn't eat peanut butter and pickle jam sandwiches before, now that you have pickle, pickle pickles, now that you have pickles, peanut butter and bread, you're making a sandwich. You're going to be like, let me see here. I bet I could put these three things together and eat that. Right. Yeah. So like, if you didn't even hear of peanut butter and pickle sandwiches before, now is your chance to to go out there and get yourself some Costco deal pickles, the big old jar, a thing of peanut butter and some bread and make those sandwiches. But that's not the point of the story. Here's what I want to say to you that I actually learned from this experience. Here I am standing on this porch, saved out of the snow, saved out of the cold. I pray God saves me. 
literally causes someone to this day. My mom swears she never called that campground. She really? did not know where I was at. Nope. Didn't call it. I don't know who called. Someone wow. called and I'm happy that I didn't die. Right. Yeah. So like, we're not going to try to debate who called. Yeah. I know it was a miracle. It was a wow. miracle because it wasn't my mom and she didn't know where I was at. So then I end up in the cabin and I pray for God to save my life and tell him, if you don't bring me food, I'm going to die. But here's something I want to say to you right now. This is the most amazing part. Remember Jeremiah 29, 11, where it says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to give you hope in a future, not plans to do evil to you, not plans to harm you, but to give you peace and to give you hope in a future. And when you pray to me, I will come to you. I will hear your call. I will save you. I will take you out of the captivity. I will take you out of the situation you're in. I will bring you out of the darkness that you caused yourself to be put into by whatever you were doing in your life or whatever people that were sinners that were in your life. In my situation, I ended up where I was because my dad decided not to respond to the Holy Spirit's promptings and instead to leave the faith, divorce my mom and leave his wife and his five kids without any help, right? Mm -hmm. So that's not my, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't, I, I didn't choose it, but we live in a world full of people who can either choose to love like God or to believe in Satan's lies, become selfish and end up not loving, right? That's the reality of the world we're living in. So here I am in this situation saying, okay, you know what? I don't even know, like if God is real, I'm probably not going to heaven. I'm freezing to death in a tent. I'm homeless. Obviously God's not with me at this point, right? Yeah. But I have the courage in the moment where it's like, hey, life or death, I'm the thief on the cross now, right? <laughs> like I, I could ask you to forgive me. I could cry out for help and you might listen. And if you don't, I'm dead anyway. So here's my chance to just decide God may be real or not, but I'm going to pray. I'm going to at least find out if God is real. God saves me out of the snow and I pray for the food in the cabin. But here's what God did before he brought me the food. Because you see, God doesn't just answer our prayers and save our life by saving us from the cold or saving us from sickness or giving us more days of life, right? Maybe, maybe we, we end up coming sick with something and we pray, God, please, you know, heal me and let me live longer. He doesn't just save our life and then leave us the way that we were before. But what God did in my situation is says, okay, Stephen, you want me to save your life? I'm going to remind you of the dream that I gave you when you were a little boy. Mm. And I'm going to give your life purpose and meaning. And then I'm going to bring you food. Mm. He does more than we ask. He does more than we ask. And so what I'm saying is, is that in the moment that I was praying for God to save my life, God, God saved my life, but he knew I needed to be reminded of something because he could have brought me food. He could have saved me out of the cold. And if I just stayed somebody that was dealing drugs to make a living, drinking alcohol, smoking cigarettes on the street, losing teeth, you know, having cavities, having teeth pulled out of my head and my whole life falling apart and right. If I would have stayed the way that way, I literally ended up that way because I didn't believe that God loved me. I didn't believe that God would answer my prayers. I didn't believe that if God did have a purpose for me to be a world evangelist when I was a little boy at eight years old, he certainly didn't anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so I, I didn't, I, I did not believe in God's big dream for my life anymore. And so what God did was reminded me of his dream for my life. And there was something crazy that happened after this. So I had no job. I have a box of food now. Luckily, the lady decides to give me the KOA campground shower keys so that I don't smell anymore so I can go <laughs> apply for a job. It was such an amazing thing. And I, I literally, after having this dream, I call my mom 
I call my dad from the payphone outside and I tell them about the dream. And my dad's like all excited. And I end up finding out that my dad has actually started going to this non-denominational church again up in like Edmonds or some kind of a thing. And he's trying to tell me about how like the Holy spirit is going to cause a golden tidal wave of God's love to go around the world. And at the time I'm like, dad, you're flipping nuts, whatever. All right, bye. You know, I just had this wild dream. I'm talking to my parents, whatever. So I go for this long walk and I see this big sign. that says live bridge. And I go inside and I discover it's a telemarketing center. Now I've never told this story before. I didn't tell it on three ABN. I didn't tell it on hope TV. I've never told it anywhere. So you're Kyle, Kylie Johnson, your podcast is hearing this story publicly anyway, for the first time ever. You're the first one. I've never, I, I don't know why I've just never told this story, but right now I feel impressed that this is the story I've got to tell. Okay. You're going to be blown away what happens here. So I'm like, you know, that dream might've been from God. And um, I don't know what's going on, but I think I need to start reading my Bible again. So concurrently, I go on this walk the day after the dream and I come to this place and I see this big sign, Live Bridge. I go inside and it's a telemarketing company and I apply for a job there. And in less than a week, I get hired. Wow. I'm like, praise Jesus. And someone there is like, finds out about my situation and takes me and helps me get on some food stamps. Like they help me end up oh, getting wow. them. Right. So there's like, now things are starting to come together. Right. And so I'm like, I don't know what happened. Like I prayed and God did this. So maybe I should just start reading my Bible. So I get on this job for this telephone company called Cox communications out of Arizona. And I'm literally calling from Washington and I have this awful job of calling people to get them to switch their telephone, internet, and cable all to this company. Right. Yeah. Awful job. And I'm going there every morning and I'm the only person there that's doing this, but I come early before work every day because I'm like, I don't want to lose my job. Like I'm so happy to have a job. I come an hour early and I bring my Bible and I'm literally reading my Bible and praying every day on, on, you know, before getting on the phones. Yeah. Now this company was only there for three years. In fact, this company ended up being one of the companies that became Verizon Wireless's first help center where people oh. could call for help with their phones when they were using Verizon wireless. So anyway, and the reason we got that contract was because of what happened on this call. So here I am, I'm reading the Bible every day and praying. And the, even the oldest employees at this place had only been there three years. Cause the place had only that location, that call center had only been there for three years. Yeah. And I kid you not in three months time, God does a miracle in my life. One, the CEO of the company tells us through our boss on the floor, that if we sell a certain amount of money worth of subscriptions to the cable company and to the phone company and the internet company, that he's getting this all Quiznos sandwiches for lunch. Now at the time Quiznos was brand new company and they were right down the road from where we were and their sandwiches were like $8 a piece. And that was a lot. It's like, these were the Bentley sandwiches that nobody goes to this place because Quiznos is way too expensive. So no one goes there, right? No one, especially not homeless people. We can't afford Quiznos. So we're like, <laughs> dude, he's going to like throw us this big party and we all get Quiznos. Like, let's kill it. You know, so they're always, and you know, you could get bonuses and everything, but they were always trying to add more incentives to get us to want to sell more, to get more people to change their phone and all this. So I'm coming in every day, reading my Bible and praying and getting on the phones. And I'm literally outselling everyone on the floor. Oh, wow. Okay. Like I'm, I'm literally selling so much stuff. And this, this phone call for this phone company, this cable company had been going on since the company opened. So I'm literally on a call that's been there for almost three years since the company's opened. And they're trying to break their records from the first three years in this fourth year of business, right? Mm -hmm. In three months, Kylie, 
you're not going to believe this. In three months, not only was I the number one salesperson all three months in a row, Whoa. not only was I selling more subscriptions than anyone on the call, but get this, I sold more cable, phone, and internet than anyone had on the entire call in all three years that they'd been open previously combined. Oh my goodness. Wow. And on the final day of the challenge that we had in order to win the Quiznos thing, five minutes after closing, I was still there on the lines trying to get the last sale that we needed. And it happened. Wow. I, I literally got the final one. Wow. And we hit the mark and we thought maybe they're not going to come because of this. Maybe they're not going to give us the prize because we had to go five minutes over work to get it done or whatever. Literally, the next thing you know, the, the next week, the CEO of the company is flying into our parking lot in a helicopter. Oh, my goodness. Right. And he comes in and he tells us some wonky story about how he went from selling Toyotas to Fords. I will never forget the speech. <laughs> and he's like, when you love something, you sell it. Right. And I'm sitting there like, OK, he's like. So when I worked for Toyota, I loved Toyota. And then when I worked for Ford, like I literally made myself fall in love with Ford. And that's why I did it. And he says, but for the life of me, he comes to the end of the story. He says, for the life of me, I can't figure out how you guys sold this thing. And now I have to buy you all lunch because I, I can't believe you hit the record because he says, I'm going to be honest with you. I set it so high that I knew you could never hit it. Oh like in the goodness. three years, like you would never hit this. And he says, I'm so blown away that you did it. I literally flew in here on my helicopter to buy you all lunch because I have to ask you one question. How in the world did you get that many people in the last several months to switch from whatever provider they were using to Cox Communications for their phone, their TV, and their cable? And here's what ends up happening. There's 200 people in this call, right? This yeah. is an entire floor of people in cubicles on phones. Everyone on the call turns and looks at me and says, Whoever that higher, whoever that guy's higher power is, whoever his God is, that's why it happened. Wow. That's so awesome. What a witness. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Now you would think from this moment forward, my whole life is going to turn around and I'm going to become the world evangelist God called me to be, right? <laughs> we wish when, it happened when, like that. <laughs> when you think that that's what's going to happen, right? Well, as a result of this, the company gets a multi-million dollar contract with Verizon Wireless, and they offer to remodel the building and repave the parking lot and everything to get us to take this call. And then they want me to do the call, and they want me to actually work on Saturdays. And at this point, I'm remembering my Adventist roots, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, nope, can't do it. And at the same time, I get a call that my sister has actually become addicted to meth and heroin. Mm. And I end up going into the company boss, quitting the job getting wow. in my little car that now has gas in it and driving back to Port Angeles, Washington, where my mom and my sister live, thinking, I'm going to go and help my sister. Two years later, I wake up on the couch, hungover. Uh-oh. Mm. Yeah, mm. I went back to go and help my sister and then fell back in with the crowd of friends I had before I was there. Two years later, I'm hungover on the couch. I wake up. I'm in my mom's house, and I will never forget this day as long as I live. Are you ready for what's about to happen? Yeah. I, you're not ready. Trust me. Okay. You this, I'm not ready. You know, you're, you're like, yes, I'm ready. I'm like, no, no, Kyle, you are not okay. ready. This is going to be, when you hear this, you're going to be like, Steven, that story is not true. But 
it's the truth. I, I'm, I actually can show you, the, the listeners will not be able to see what I'm about to show you, but I'm going to show you the evidence of the truth of this story. So here we go. Are you ready for this story? I wake up and a turtle green Geo Metro pulls into the driveway of my mom's house. I'm literally looking out the window. And have you ever seen one of those little Geo Metros? It's like almost that. It's literally like a turtle green. It's like an ugly, like almost puke color green Geo Metro pulls in. Ugliest car I've ever seen in my life. That's the detail I will never forget. So here's this Geo Metro sitting in my driveway. And I'm like, who is that? <laughs> so I start heading towards the door and someone's getting out of the car. And I'm kind of seeing through the windows in the kitchen. I'm like, some dude is coming to the house. And I go over to the door and open it. And can you guess who's standing on my porch? Mm-mm. My dad is standing on my porch. Oh, wow. And I'm like, uh, and I hadn't seen my dad in a lot of years. Like probably hadn't even seen him more than twice since the time on the ferry when he told me at 12 years old, when he came and took me for a summer and told me that the Bible was not real and there was no God and that you, you know, it's a good moral book. You can follow it if you want. You don't have to and everything. So yeah. here's my dad standing on the porch and he looks at me first words out of his mouth. Haven't seen my dad in years. And he looks at me and he says, you know, I have lost any right to ever really talk to you about God or tell you what you should or shouldn't believe, but I'm aware of what's going on in your life and what some of the stuff you've been through. And he says, um, I've actually started going back to church again. I'm going to a non-denominational church in Edmonds, Washington, I believe it was. And he's like, I started last night. I went home after church and I was considering everything that's going on in your life. And I decided that I was going to kneel next to my bed and pray. Now, are you seeing kind of a theme in my life story here? <laughs> right? So my dad, my dad decides he's going to pray and his prayer was simple. It's God, what can I possibly do for my son who never wants to hear anything about God from me again to help him rediscover God's purpose for his life? Mm. What can I do to help my son go from being a person who's struggling with drug and alcohol addiction and who's throwing his life away and not living the dream that God has for him? How can I like, how could I, how can I do anything to help him rediscover the dream that you have for his life? Right. Yeah. And as my dad is praying, God impresses him to bring me something. And he says, so son, while I was kneeling next to my bed praying, there was a black case under my bed that has something in it. And God told me to take that black case and bring it to you. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, I don't remember if he just took it from behind his back. or I think he got it out of the car. So he goes back to the car and he brings it and he hands me this big black case. He turns around after handing me the case, goes back to the car, gets in the car and drives away. Oh, so I haven't seen my dad for years. And it's like, hey, son, I've lost any right to be in your life and tell you about God. By the way, last night I prayed for you after starting to go to this church. God told me to bring you this. And it's the thing that's going to help change your life. And goodbye. Oh, gosh, that's weird. So here I am. I'm hungover. <laughs> and I know some of you out there listening have had the experience of deciding to make the decision to drink alcohol and get totally intoxicated and then be hungover. I'm not pretending that that's never happened to people, whether they are Christian or not before. We live in a world where alcohol definitely ends up having a very strong allure to teenagers in high school, whether or not you're in a Christian school or not. Sadly, often most of us choose to experience with alcohol, right? To experiment with it. 
So anyway, most of us have made the bad choice of getting totally intoxicated and waking up with a hangover. So you know what I'm talking about. If you're one of those people, if you're not praise Jesus, do not go out there and do that now. That, that's not a good plan. You don't need oh, to do that. Yeah, no. Nobody, nobody needs it in their life. Literally. Um, I will tell you why, after I finish the story, why you don't want alcohol in your life. But, um, I take the black case that was handed to me down to my room and I open it and guess what's inside. I don't know. You don't have any idea. No. When I say it, you're going to remember from a previous story I've already told. Okay. Inside the case is a beautiful guitar <gasps> that has the exact, it looks like a Martin, but it's not. It's a Takamini. Oh my goodness. And it looks just like the guitar in the dream. And then guess what else? Hmm. On the guitar is the thick cloth white strap. Oh my. From the dream. Oh my goodness. And now I'm looking at this guitar in the case. And I remember the dream that I had had several years previously and the experience that I had at Live Bridge where God was answering my prayers and everything else. And I came face to face with the fact that God is real and he's got a plan for my life and he hasn't given up on me. Oh, wow. And I want to say something right now to the people that are listening. There's a lot of us that feel like we've made too many mistakes, committed too many sins. Maybe we don't even believe in sin, but you know, you've made mistakes. You've messed your life up. I don't know what you believe, whoever you are out there listening, but you feel like the dreams that you had when you were a child are not even possible anymore. You know, I'm getting too old. I sort of, I, I hope these things would happen. You know, for some of us, it's like we haven't succeeded academically or maybe in romance, we've totally failed. We haven't found the one. We're not, we feel like we're never going to get married or have kids, you know, because all of our friends are getting engaged and married. You know, my life is awful. I'm, ah, you know, like, and our, you know, our plans are not working out. Things are falling apart, right? And so, we feel like we come to a certain point in our life and for whatever reason, we think, you know, whatever dreams I had when I was a kid are never going to come true. The plans that God has for my life, it's not even possible. And with the decisions I've made or the time I've wasted, I didn't go to school when I should have, or I made these sins, or I was in this relationship, it got broken, or I became drug addict, whatever your thing is, the devil's always trying to convince us that the plans that God has for our life are not true anymore. And they mm -hmm. can't come true. But I want to tell you guys something. From that moment when my dad brought me that guitar standing on that doorstep that reminded me of the dream that God gave me when I was a little boy. From that moment moving forward, God took me from being a person who was sleeping on his mother's couch that had just been homeless, that had gone through a suicide attempt, that was totally depressed, that was struggling with drug and alcohol addiction to being the man I am today. And let me just tell you the very fast forward version of that. I end up moving to San Diego, California, had a major miracle happen in my life. I decide I'm going to go back to Oregon, move in with my grandparents, right? Mm -hmm. Go to church. And after going to church and getting in this prayer meeting, within less than three years, I go from being a homeless guy on the streets to being a volunteer pastor of the Estacada Seventh-day Adventist Church. For two years, I volunteer pastored that church. Then they sent me to Arise in 2011. I went to the Arise Institute for Soul Winning and Evangelism in Jasper, Oregon, which is a place that teaches people to be Bible workers and to give people Bible studies. 
And that was actually at the time led, and it still is, it's led by David Ashrick and Ty Gibson. Some people in, in the Adventist Christian community will know who they are. And maybe even some people outside of the Adventist Christian community knows about Arise and about Light Bearers and about the Institute for Soul Winning and Evangelism. So I go there. Then by a miracle of God, I end up getting to go to Walla Walla University in 2012, 2013. And Four years later, God does all of these miracles. Now, listen, homeless guys can't afford college degrees. No. But literally, God did countless miracles to pay for a $90,000 degree, right? My goodness, that's a lot. Right. I graduate after getting this degree. You know, all I, I don't know if it was $90,000 for the degree, but, you know, housing, yeah. food, all the books, expenses. everything that's going to be costing to go through four years of education, $90,000 worth. God does all these miracles to get me the scholarships to get a degree in theology. So now all of a sudden I actually have a theology degree. And in my senior year, one week after unit, one week after interviews, the phone rings. And I'm literally on a service project helping to clean up the streets of um college place washington i'm out on a service project with the dean of theology of the entire school right so he's like the dean of the school of theology for walla walla <laughs> university we're out on a walk and my phone rings and i pick it up and it's upper columbia conference and the upper columbia conference literally is on the phone and says to me pastor stephen farr uh or stephen farr at the time i wasn't pastor sorry <laughs> it's so funny because now i am so it's like they say hey stephen farr like um we really enjoyed the interview with you and we would like to offer you a two-year internship and a full ride to get your master's degree from Andrews University. What do you say? Oh, wow. And so I literally, I'm on the phone with someone offering a guy who was only eight or nine years previously homeless on the streets without anything. My goodness. Totally messed up life. Here I am. I'm a graduate from Walla Walla University. I'm being hired. And not only am I being offered an internship and a position as a pastor, but they're saying We've, we believe so much in your calling. We are going to give you a full ride to Andrews University after a two-year internship. Wow. What do you say? And so now here I am. Uh, let me see. One, two, three, four, five years later. I just graduated about 150. Well, I graduated in May of uh, spring of 2021. Nice. And I went through an interview with the Pilot Rock Pendleton Churches. And I am now the district pastor for Pendleton Pilot Rock uh, Churches here in Northeastern Oregon. And not only that, um, as I was telling you um, before we started the podcast, um, before we started the recording, I am now actually being asked to speak in places all over the world. Gosh, God knows the plans that he has for us. He doesn't, I, that's so beautiful. Like he doesn't like, it doesn't matter how many times we walk away or that we forget him. He calls us back the plans that he has like we can like you know like you said earlier we can still choose to say like no but like god calls us back to those plans and even when we forget his miracles and forget all that he's done he's like he's like no i have plans for you i have plans that are better than this better than being homeless better than you know being hung over on your sister's or mom's couch whoever's couch it was he has plans that are these amazing things and it's going to touch millions of people's lives or thousands or whatever the number is yeah, and I actually have a little slogan that I have on my Facebook. Or, um, I don't know if it's also on my Instagram, but I have this little slogan on my Facebook, you know, and I really think that this sums it up good. Um, mm -hmm. 
I, I made the decision a long time ago when I gave my life to God, I said, I want to leave the world. I want to leave the world better than I found it. Mm. Right. And I think all of us can kind of relate to that. We want to feel like, especially in today's world, we want to feel like, Hey, you know, what is the purpose of my life? I want it to have meaning. And also I want it to not just mean something to me. I want it to mean something to other people. Yeah. And so I made the decision. I want to leave the world better than I found it. I'm living my life for a purpose greater than myself. And whoever you are out there right now, listening to this podcast, I want you to know that number one, um, the kingdom of this world is not God's kingdom. Number two, God's kingdom is real. Heaven is real. And um, I know for a fact that um, I know for a fact that God wants you to be a part of his kingdom coming and his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, God wants to take you from wherever you're at in life and use you not only to love you, not only does he want to love you, but he wants to end up using your hands and feet to be light and love in this world for other people, to give them hope, to be a part of a kingdom that's not built out of, you know, the riches of this world, out of governments and out of, you know, armies and, and all of these kinds of things, but to be a part of something that is so much more than that, a people saved by Christ from the sins of this world, from the brokenness in their, in their life, a people who were once not a people to become a people. And it's literally, you know what the kingdom of God is, Kylie? It's mm-hmm. people who come to Jesus, give their life to him. It's like it says in, in the book of um, the Peter, first Peter, I believe it is, where it says, you know, the kingdom of God is people who go from being dead in their trespasses and sin to being living stone yeah, built on Jesus Christ. The kingdom of heaven is people. Mm-hmm. And so what God has done for me, I'm not a millionaire. Okay. But I have college degrees. Now he took me from being homeless on the street to being able to get college degrees so that I could be a pastor in the Adventist church. And here's the amazing thing about it. God asked me to literally be a pastor for a denomination where a lot of religious people made mistakes and hurt my family. Right. But God, God wants us to love and forgive and to do good, even for people who've hurt us. Mm -hmm. And so the really incredible thing about my life now is, is that not only did God turn my life around and turn my life into a living testimony of the fact that he is real and that he has plans for my life, but he's also using me to preach the gospel of his kingdom to people all over the world and invite them to start living their lives with hope so that they can actually say, you know what? I want to leave the world better than I found it. I want to live for a purpose greater than myself. And that purpose is the kingdom of God, which is people. And, you know, my favorite text in the entire Bible is Titus 1 verse 2. Here's what it says. God who cannot lie promised you eternal life before time ever began. Mm. That's so awesome. And so that's he made really us what... to live like, sorry, he made us to live and not to die. He didn't create us just to die and just to live on this earth, but he made us to live with him in eternity. And so that's what I really, yeah, I, yeah, that's exactly what it is. You literally, whoever you are out there listening right now, wherever you are, whatever's happening in your life, guess what? God has a plan for your life. And it's not a plan that is meant to be accomplished just in this lifetime. You know, when I was discouraged thinking that everything in my life was totally over, it was like, oh, I've wasted too much time. I mean, even now at 40 years old. Okay. So I can give an example, right? I'm 40 years old. I've never been married. I don't have any kids. So like God has done a lot of things in my life, but I don't know who my wife is yet. You know, I'm still looking for her, right? 
So I could be like, oh no, I'm 40 years old and I've run out of hope and there's no time left and I'll never have children and my whole life is over. Well, I want to encourage you guys with something. Think about this. Whatever it is that you're discouraged about right now, maybe it's your college life, maybe it's your career, maybe it's your family, maybe it's you feel like you haven't accomplished as much as you should by the age that you are, whatever that is, I want you to think about something. When God created you, he didn't create you to live your life and all of the dreams he put in your heart in a hundred years. He created you to live out the dreams that he's put in your heart for your life in eternity. Yeah. So it means that you have forever for all of God's dreams to come true in your life. So if you're in a place right now where the devil's telling you or where you're being tempted to believe, I can't, the dreams are not going to come true for me anymore because I'm too old and I've made too many mistakes and I don't have enough time left. And I can, you know, like all my hopes and dreams are, I want you to stop living like that. Stop living like a person who has to accomplish all of the dreams that God gave you in a hundred years and start living through the eyes of eternity. Mm. Because the moment you believe Christ, that he's given you eternal life, even if you should pass away before he comes again, one day when he comes again in the clouds, when Jesus comes again, he's going to call your name. He's going to take you to heaven for a thousand years. After that, you're literally going to get to see the new world recreated, right? And you're literally going to have forever. Every day that goes by, you're going to have another day and another day and another day. And no matter how many days you have, you have infinity more, right? Yeah. <laughs> you have forever to live all of the dreams that God put in your heart when you were a child. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. All right. We have almost gone to an hour, so I don't want to like cut you off, but also like time is about to wrap up. So I'm going to say a prayer, but I would just want to say thank you again so much for sharing I think God has done awesome things in your life. And I think he's definitely like I see in Stephen, God is going to like do some amazing more things in his life. So I just want to like encourage people. Um, you can follow him on Facebook or Instagram for sure um, to kind of see what else God's doing in his life. Um, I wish we had more time to share all about Stephen and hear more stories because this has been awesome. But we're going to pray and wrap up. Um, so let's pray now. Yeah. And let me oh. just say before you pray. If you want to follow me on Facebook, I'm getting ready to create a public profile because I, I have, um, I've like maxed out on for a private page, how many friends I can have. <laughs> so, um, if you want, if you want to follow me on Facebook right now, you can, I'm getting ready to create a page that will have the ability to have unlimited followers so that I can literally share what's going on in my life and share the, you know, the posts that I want to with everyone. But the best place to follow me right now is on Instagram. And I'll link that in the description. Okay. And, and Kylie's going to give you the link for the Instagram in the description so that you can find my Instagram and feel free to follow me on Facebook as well. And look for my new page. That's coming soon. <laughs> that's coming soon. All right. All right. Well, let's pray. Let's dear pray. Father, dear father in heaven. Thank you so much for this opportunity to hear Stephen's stories and just to hear about how you've worked in his life all throughout of it, throughout it. <sighs> Thank you for just the amazingness of um, helping us to remember that not to forget the things that you've done in our lives and not to forget that you do have plans for us. And that even when we give up hope on those plans, that you have not given up hope and that you still want us to be in eternity and you want to live a life of eternity. Um, please just let these stories and these words just to touch the listeners' hearts and minds, just help them to see you in these stories and to see your goodness and your mercy. Um, and thank you again, Lord, for this opportunity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, that is it for this episode. Come back next week and you can hear from Camus. Bye. If you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to follow, share, like, and review. Also, you can contact us at our Facebook page. That is God is Real, God is Good podcast. Or you can email us at 
God is real, God is good podcast at gmail.com. Bye. Bye.